2: Welcome to attacking third. This is our W Gold Cup preview show. It's all getting started soon. I'm Jenny Chu here with Lisa Carlin, Darian Jenkins, and Aaron West, and we are finally back in studio. How good does it feel to see each other in person? Oh, it's so great. I mean, finally we get to touch. If I know. Want to.
0: It's <laughs> not
1: hard <laughs> cool. <laughs> Thank you guys for letting me tag along.
2: <laughs> Always. You are definitely a part of our team here on attacking third. But Darian, I mean, how excited are you to be covering this tournament? Oh, I'm hyped. I think it's going to be good. I think we're going to see a lot
3: of experimenting with the teams this is a time pre-olympics for everybody to try something new tactical changes personnel changes um, especially excited to see what the u.s. is going
2: to whip out move formation changes tactical changes there yeah you like you mentioned yeah. there we're less than six months away from the paris olympics a lot of these teams taking part in that olympic game so this is potentially a time to try a lot of things out why don't we go ahead and get started with the u.s. women's national teams group group a like you mentioned there darian that has U.S. Women's National Team, the Mexican National Team, Argentina, and either Guyana or the Dominican Republic. They play their first game, and the winner of that will also join Group A. Um, Incredibly exciting stuff. That is a tough group, considering I'm a Mexico fan. I Obviously, I played for Mexico, so just, just putting it out there right now. I'm hoping that it's the USA and Mexico coming out of this group, but obviously, Argentina is a tough one, too, Lisa.
0: Yeah, I think that this group is could be considered the group of death, it, depending how you look at it. Um, the expectations are really high for the United States. It, I, they have to win, or it's a failure, in my opinion, for them and for this tournament. They are going up against good competition, though, when you look at uh, this Mexican side that went undefeated in all competitions in 2023. They won the Pan Am Games. They went throughout that tournament, um, scoring 17 goals, only conceding two. They play in a really compact 4-3-3 where they like to get the ball wide, they like to use the flanks and send crosses into the box and rely on the aerial presence of Diana Ordonez in that front line with crosses from Maria Sanchez, the left-footed magician to create so much for this Mexican side. They have a lot of pressure on them to perform and to do well. And the fact that they're in a group with the United States Makes me think they're going to play even that much better because they want to go up against the US Giants and tear them down, frankly.
3: I think especially, too, missing out on the World Cup twice. You have a chip on your shoulder and a little bit more of a bite to your game, especially going up against Big Dog's US Women's National Team. And knowing that there's kind of a change of guard happening and there's vulnerabilities, especially defensively. I don't think we've seen the US truly get tested. They had a goal um, that they got scored against against China. but. Other than that, since the World Cup, we we haven't seen so much. So I think, especially if Mexico coming in and playing them, that's the time to really send everything forward, try something new, create chances as much as possible, and try to punish the US for maybe some things that aren't gonna work out for them. I also think for the US this is gonna be a big time to try some new things. And you said, you know, it's if they don't win, it's a failure. I also think that if they lose, you're going to learn a lot from that. So, especially they should. defensively, yeah, <laughs> especially defensively. What we haven't seen what Emma Hayes is going to do with this team and the personnel. So it's going to be who fits into the system, who doesn't, who's creative enough, who kind of shoulders these changes that are going to be made. I think it's going to be very, very
2: telling. Well, this is a topic that we've touched on on Attacking Third, the fact that, you know, with this new resur- resurrection of team, with Emma mm-hmm. Hayes joining the squad, this is kind of, you know, foregoing potentially this this Gold Cup and the Olympic Games for the bigger future, right? The World Cup yeah. that is upcoming, and that's kind of where we want to put our attention. Um, obviously, winning the Gold Cup is ideal and should happen considering how we're looking at the teams. But if losing this tournament means having a better performance in the Olympics and then eventually winning the World Cup come a, couple, a few years from now, that, I think, is an overall win, and jumping to conclusions there is not that important. But I do want to touch on Mexico really quick, because you, you mentioned um, their record coming into this, the chip on their shoulder, Darian. But the fact that they have a new head coach in Pedro Lopez coming in, coming in with a completely different squad in terms of um, the coaching staff and how things are going with this team. They were under Leonardo Cuellar for so long and under his system and the coaches that remained within that system. So the same thought process for so many years, um, even when I was there as a nat- um, on the national team now moving to a completely different system, completely different headspace. I've talked to many of these players and they talk about how um, everything is different from how they were concentrated um, in national team camps. Um, they were allowed to have days off. The way that practices are held are so much more intense um, in all aspects. and. One of the big things, which I I know that is not that important to everybody, but when you are a player, you understand. Last W Gold Cup, they talked about how their their families went to go see them, and they were never allowed to see their families. Mm. Even on off days, they were not allowed to see their families. This is something that we've seen with the Mexican Federation. We've seen on the men's side. They complained about that at Nations League. Mm. Now they talked about, um, when I spoke to the players, about how they have a little bit more time with their families, and they feel less of the pressure um, and more free to be themselves. You know, when you're with the same people, I mean, the same 23 people for months at a time, there's no way you're not going to be fighting and you're not going to be, you know, in an upset situation there. So um, good to see some of those changes there. And we're excited to see how Mexico does there. But Aaron, I want to talk about the expectation. We talk about winning. We talk about um, growing for the World Cup. What do you sure. think a good performance would be for the United States?
1: I think they have to win this tournament. For for to what this UNS Women's National Team is, is it's always been built on excellence. Uh, even if the performances aren't great, it's always been come down to results. And we haven't seen those in the the last couple years but I think they need to win this tournament I do agree with you that that this is a a transitional period and that we we want to see we're going to see a lot of young players we're going to see some tweaks I think and we need to see that but I also think that because this is the women's national team this it has to come with winning Uh, the expectation is so so high and it will stay there and I think it has to stay there especially with Emma Hayes Uh, Ali Krieger had a a really good point that I I think with Emma Hayes coming in you're going to see some uneasy players you don't just get to coast on your reputation. Yep. And I think this, especially a tournament like this, is you have to come in and play at the top of your game or you might not be in that next squad. And I think that is what we're going to have to see is, is the levels, the expectations staying high, even though we may see a little bit of a, of a new transition period with new players, new positions, maybe new tactics. But I think the expectation, the level has to stay high.
2: A
0: positive for the U.S. throughout this tournament is that they could potentially get nearly four weeks together, Mm. which is a large chunk of time that you get less than six months ahead of the Olympics to help prepare this team. Honestly, the W Gold Cup actually mimics the Olympics pretty well. They could potentially have six games in less than a three-week span, just two rest days between group stage games, really, really quick turnaround.
1: That's a great photo, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Such a thoughtful (laughs) photo of me officially. (laughs) (laughs) It's like something you put up in your house.
2: Lisa, Lisa, that's, that's amazing because, yes, this this mirrors the cadence, and you kind of are going to have the same exact structure come Olympic time, and that's exactly what you need to be training for, right? The rest days, what do they look like? The recovery days, what do they look like? You know, planning for um, match film. Like, yeah. you're, you're playing for game one, right, in the Olympics, and you prep for game one until it's time for game two. So you pass game one what do the next two days look like? Game three, what do the next two days look like? And this is exactly what that will be like. Obviously, the United States will play either Guyana or Dominican Republic. That's where their focus should be at the moment. And then they move on to Argentina and Mexico and focusing there. Um, but what a benefit that is to kind of see the same exact mirrored tournament structure, Lisa.
0: Yeah, it's a huge benefit for these players. It's going to be a lot on them throughout yeah. this Gold Cup to be able to learn and adapt and adjust, especially if they're getting new formations mm-hmm. that they have to learn from, new tactics and a new coach. And then they have all this quick turnaround and short succession to try to win these games and, and win out the Gold Cup. It's going to be a lot for them mentally.
3: Yeah, I, I agree. And I think with what we've all been saying, Emma Hayes, she's a tactical genius. She's going to switch things up. Maybe in the middle of the game, in the run of play, she could switch up a formation or tactics and make these adjustments. That's a lot of mental, emotional strain on these players as well. You are having to learn a complete new system, new teammates coming in. Some people from there will get first or second caps with the US Women's national team. So it's gonna be a lot with a quick turnaround, but I love that this is preparation for the Olympics because then you're gonna have a little bit more of an understanding like, okay, we gotta go. I gotta forget about whatever that game was and focus on the next Mm -hmm. mission.
2: Well, we've touched on Mexico, we've touched on the US. The other for sure um, team in this group is Argentina. What are the expectations for them in this group? Because top two teams go regardless of who that is um, and then two teams from the third place section will also make it uh, potentially so. What are we thinking about Argentina and their expectations? It's
0: going to be a tough tournament for Argentina. Yeah. They're going up against big teams in the United States and Mexico. This Argentinian side, they've had a lot of ups and downs. They advanced to the semifinals of the Pan Am Games just last fall. They ended up losing to Mexico. But a, a lot of what Argentina's strengths are, playing in a 4-4-2, is going centrally. Yeah. That's where their big-time players are. They've got center back Sophie Braun, uh, who's now at Kansas City. Cometti in the center back as well. And they've got Stephanie Palomar, who is the young player up top that can try to disrupt. She can play back to goal. She's pretty physical. She's only got five caps, though. But a lot of what Argentina wants to do is go down the center of the field. And that's going to be hard against a United States side that is stacked in their midfield and against a Mexican side that has Maria Sanchez playing in the midfield in in a tight triangle. So it'll be really tough for Argentina to get out of this
3: group. Yeah, I think very tough. And what the World Cup showed us is that defensively they get exposed so easily. So I think coming into this, they I hope in preparation for this that they've been really tightening up. They're learning how to block these passing lanes that other teams have broken them down on, and the big transitions. They get exposed really easily there, but other players to look out for. Mariana Laroquette, uh plays for Orlando Pride. I played with her in Kansas City, and she is a force on the pitch, and I think she's going to lead this team on the front line as well. And Estefania Benini, she has two goals to assess for Atletico Madrid. So
1: glad you mentioned her, because yeah. She's yeah. one of my favorite Argentine players. Yeah, yeah, she's a baller. I love um,
3: So I think those are another two players to highlight that can really lead Argentina. But it's going to be difficult. Uh, I hope that they tighten up defensively for yeah. their sake.
2: Tighten up defensively is an important one after the World Cup, seeing mm-hmm. how they did there. Darian, okay, I want to go ahead and go through really quickly what we think is going to happen in the Guyana-Dominican Republic game. Pick a winner. Who will be the one to move on with Group A after this preliminary rounds? Lisa, get us started.
0: Dominican Republic, they're going to rely a lot on Kat Gonzalez. If she has a good game, that's their opportunity to move forward. However, I think Guyana is going to go forward. They outscored their opponents 20-0 in the qualifiers, so I'm
3: going with them. Darian. I'm going with Dominican Republic. Uh, They had 24 goals, so that's who I'm going with. I think it's actually going to be a really open game. It'll be pretty high scoring. I think they're both going to be... Thinking advantageously going forward, and that's going to be a lot exposed in the back line. So, I'm, I'm but I'm going with Dominican Republic.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm honestly I'm picking out of a hat because this is <laughs> this is this tournament's really interesting because it's yeah. a lot of teams that we don't get to see very often and new rosters in a lot of these teams. Very so true. we're kind of going into this blind as some people. So because I always get mistaken for being Dominican, I'm picking Dominican. <laughs> okay. Republic. <So> Me too. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs>
4: <laughs>
2: we have to end it on that note. I am going with Guyana on this one, but for that, uh, we're going to have so much more on the U.S. Women's National Team and breaking down that roster when we come back. All right, we are on to Group B. That is Panama, Colombia, Brazil, and the winner between Haiti and Puerto Rico will also join Group B here. Let's get started talking about Arta Elias Selezao in Brazil. How does Brazil cope without Marta, her first international tournament, or Brazil's first international tournament, without Marta, without Formiga, that leadership aspect that's going to be missing from that team? And then, of course, without Caroline, who has been such a massive part of this team as well, Aaron.
1: Yeah, I think that's a question that's going to be asked of a lot of teams through this tournament with a lot of big-name players missing through injury, whether they're not released by their clubs, whatever it may be. And this is a huge task for Brazil, but I think most of it's going to go through a player named Dabinho, who we all know, Mm -hmm. uh, incredible talent. She's this tall, but the talent is this big. (laughs) She she has the ability to just drag this Brazil side by the scruff of the neck. She can grab games by the scruff of the neck. She she has so much ability on the ball. Her off-the-ball movement is incredible, her passing, her goal scoring. And then I think Adi Borges is another player in this team who's gonna be super super important basically half of Orlando is Brazilian so I think there's that, that team spirit but also th- these two players I think Borges and Devinia will be huge for them
2: Lisa who do you need to step up for this team in Caroline and Marta's absence Debinha, agree completely. Um, this is a new
0: look for this Brazilian side. After they failed to get out of the group stage in the World Cup, they got rid of their coaches. They brought in Arthur Elias. Could we see a change in in how much freedom that they have on the pitch, right? Could there be a little bit more structure in the way these Brazilian plays, Brazilians play in that their freedom on the, the pitch with their own individual creativity doesn't necessarily drive them anymore because they're without players like Caroline and Marta. It's going to fall a lot on Dabinia to be that link player from between the lines, the back line to the front line, from side to side of the pitch. And when Brazil goes up against Colombia, Panama, Haiti, or Puerto Rico, they're going to be tested. I I think that... Ultimately, Group B is our group of death to me because uh, with Brazil and Colombia in this one, um, it, it's going to be tough for these sides because of
3: the players that are missing. I, I have to highlight one other player that I think is going to make a really big impact but doesn't always get the time with Brazil is JC currently playing for Manchester United but forced to be reckoned with when she was with Barcelona. Um, I think she's gonna come in and tie the lines together a lot more because that's something that Brazil's gonna be missing, especially with Guerlain and Marta not there. So I think she's gonna take a much bigger role coming into these games of being a little bit more of an orchestrator, a playmaker. Her and Debinha and Artie Borges kind of leading this team and connecting all of the dots so that they tactically make sense from each line moving forward.
2: Well, if I'm looking at this on paper, Group B, like you mentioned, potentially um, the group of death. For me, it is Colombia and Brazil coming out of this group, not in that order, just specifically those two teams. Let's go ahead and talk about Colombia, because uh, for a lot of people, they are one of the teams that can control this tournament and do incredibly well, but they are missing plenty of their very important players, Lacey Santos, Ana Maria Guzman, and Catalina Perez, out with injuries. And of course, Mayra Ramirez has not been released or who knows exactly what the situation is with Chelsea. just scored an amazing FA Cup goal um, and has made her transition there. But without those players, Mm -hmm. what are we going to expect from Colombia, Darian? I think they're going to rely a lot on Caicedo
3: and Carolina Uzme, because those are some big shoes to fill. Those are really big positions. I don't know how they're going to fare. I think that that's a really big loss for them to not have these players there. But it allows them to use their depth to develop the rest of their team a little bit more um, because I do think that Colombia is one of the teams may become this next World Cup that are going to be the team to be feared. So, uh, you know, it's a time to grow. It's a time to learn a lot. But I, I don't really see this faring too well for them, yeah. especially after this group. It's going to be tough for Colombia, for sure. I think uh, the goalkeeper,
0: Catalina Perez, not being in this is going to hurt them a lot. When you look at why Colombia was able to do as well as they did in the World Cup, it's because they had the confidence in their goalkeeper in Perez Mm -hmm. to know that if anything gets through, she's going to be able to kind of save them a little bit when things get rough at that end. And then they relied on the creativity and the, the unknown of Linda Caicedo. Frankly, yeah. she's well-known now. Everyone knows what <laughs> she's going to do. Now. You know that you have to double-team her. You have to keep an eye on her at all times. It's going to be harder for her to find herself in open spaces and on the ball. And Caicedo's going to have to work a lot harder mm. for this Colombian side.
1: Yeah, I, I think she is so key because teams will be keyed in on her. Usme on the other side, it's so interesting. Linda Casero is 18 years old, Usme is 34 years old. Two very, very (laughs) different sides of the coin, both in the same team, but so much talent. Casero, I think she has the ability to be world-class, but this is a new tournament where everyone knows her name, just like you mentioned. So this is an opportunity for her to say, I know you guys know me. I know I'm going to see a lot of double teams, probably some rough treatment, but I think she has the quality to, to help drag this Columbia team. And, and she's going to have to be at her best because they're missing so many key players. Again, this tournament, we're going to see some names pop up that we weren't familiar with it, yeah. I won't yeah. be familiar with, because that's the beauty that's of tournaments like this. Yeah. <laughs> the
2: Yeah, no, I think that the fact that they have a veteran and then a young player as well to kind of balance that out yeah. is incredibly important on Columbia squad. Let's move on to Panama, who's also in this group. Um, um, they didn't do great in the World Cup. They lost to all their matches, but that had France, Jamaica, and Brazil all incredibly difficult. They've already played against Brazil.
0: They lost to France,
2: but they still scored three goals three. against France. And a
0: worldie. It's insane. The, the X factor for this Panama side is Martha Cox. Mm-hmm. If she can get on the ball and create some space for herself, she just needs to rip shots from distance, from inside. You get a look at Riley Tanner there, uh, the player out of Washington Spirit in the NWSL there a little flair in the midfield, but it's going to fall on the shoulders of Cox and to go up against Brazil and Colombia and then either the likes of Haiti and Puerto Rico, Panama has a really tall mountain to climb
3: in this W Gold Cup. Yeah, the thing with Panama, we know that they can score goals. They can score a lot, so they can score worldies. They can make something out of nothing going forward. Again, a lot of these teams, it's the defensive part where there's so many question marks of when you send so many numbers forward and you're relying on that so much, you leave yourself so exposed in the back. So, again, I think this is going to be a big test of that and to see how they make adjustments to develop this team moving forward well beyond this tournament. Um, That's why I'm really excited for this, Mm -hmm. because I think it's going to allow teams to really grow. I'm excited to see how they attack, but I I
2: am very weary of their defensive side. Well, the big thing about Panama is, um, the biggest name that comes to mind is Yaneth Bailey, their goalkeeper. I mean, I remember watching her in, at 13 years old, being their starting goalkeeper and being such uh, a shining light for them. But the reason why she got the shine is because the defense doesn't do <laughs> yes. anything for her, and they expose her all the time. So she has to make these crazy saves and she has to make the headlines. Um, so she's incredibly strong back there, but the defense is just bleeding and bleeding, like you mentioned there, Darian. With the ability to score goals through Riley Tanner, Martha Cox as well, uh, Yeneth Bailey, a big name on that team mm-hmm. roster as well. So let's see how this team will round out. Either Haiti or Puerto Rico will join them. We're going to start with you here. Aaron, what are you thinking? Uh,
1: for me, it, it, it's this Haitian side has something about them. I, I think that I, I personally, I don't know much about them. Again, uh, I don't know much about Puerto Rico again. But this is going to be a tournament where I'm going to sit back and just enjoy almost as a casual. because. I don't get to see Puerto Rico play very often. I don't get to see Haiti play very often, but I, I, I believe that we'll see some beautiful talent come out of this tournament. This is a, a banger of a goal, especially when we see defenses that aren't that great. I think we're going to see a lot of goals this tournament. So I'm, I'm here for the goals. That's what I'm here for.
3: <laughs> Darren, where are you going? Yeah, I, I agree. I think Haiti's going to take, gonna take the cake in this one. Um, they had 26 goals in the CONCACAF. Goals. Goals. <laughs> goals. Goals galore. Um, and a player to highlight is Melchi Domene. I think she is going to lead this team. She had eight goals in the tournament. Um, oh, sorry. I forget Melchi's injured. That's a big yeah, loss for them. But, it's huge. Yeah, huge loss for them. But she is what kind of what carried them into this. So I yeah. think there's big shoes to fill, but I'm still going with Haiti. They create the chances. As well yeah, yeah, really yeah. yeah. Mondesir will fill some sure. of that hole that...
0: Um, Dumornay leaves. So, Mondesir six goals, eight assists in the qualifier. She led the team in assists. So she has an eye to be able to find out uh, some some teammates and pick in them. She can sit in the pocket um, in front of opponents back line. She can turn and run at back lines. I think a lot of the play is going to go through Mondesir centrally. Um, I, yeah, Haiti's going to take this one. Uh, they're going to sit back against a team like Brazil but against Puerto Rico, we're going to see them go forward. Yeah. Once they get past this preliminary game, we'll see a deep 4-1, 4-1 for Haiti where they look to go in the counter
2: when they can um, and it's all fed through centrally uh, through Mondesir. Beautiful. Even without Melchi de Bournets, out with injury, I-, I also have Haiti on this one. We're going to have a quick break and we'll be covering Group C when we return. Canada,
0: very disappointing campaign. They have always put together strong performances against the Riga girls.
3: Will this evening be another one of those occasions? Driving forward, lovely pass over wide. Chances are near Leon! The Canadians have sealed it! The red and black of Canada, the two goals against Jamaica, has them out in front of the series. leon the in-swinger, puts it in a good area! As Ashley Lawrence, crossed to the back post, the header is in! Jordan Heidema has scored for Canada! And that means Canada, the reigning gold medalists, will defend that gold medal next summer in Paris.
2: Group C, Canada, Costa Rica, Paraguay, and the winner between El Salvador and Guatemala. That will round out Group C there. But Canada, coming off of a disappointing World Cup, they need to get on their front foot, and they have to have a good performance. Uh, we were talking about this team, Bev Priestman's team. Not really some exciting football we're watching here.
1: It has <laughs> been called cold oatmeal football. It has been called with raisins. Friends. Yeah, with raisins. <laughs> it's bad, apparently. It's, it, it is. It's, it's, it's not inspiring football. It is not fun to watch the talent is there for Canada. They have a lot of really, really talented players, a lot of creative players, and it feels like when they get to the Canadian national team they just kind of get manacles slapped on their ankles like, don't you do anything fun Mm -hmm. or we're going to sub you. And that's what Canada looks like to me.
2: (laughs) Well, there's no Christine Sinclair. This is also the first tournament without her. No Sophie Schmidt. Um, How does this team look now, Darian, without those two mainstay players that have been part of the team for so long? Yeah, I think uh, Jess Fleming is going to have to step
3: up a lot. Uh, She is such a creative player that I think has kind of been in this role where she's not able to really freely move and be as creative as she wants to and connect all of the lines. So I think that that gap is there and for her to take. I also think Canada needs a little bit of restructuring. Lisa and I were talking before. I believe maybe they'll try three-five-two or some sort of different formation chains. Uh, Quinn is listed as a defender. Maybe they're back there to splay balls and they can be a little bit more attacking-minded. It's no, not going to happen. Totally, are you not imagining a
1: dynamic 3-5-2
3: It's I, it
1: never going to happen. I, she, they have the talent. Step into what business. are you <laughs> drinking? Because
0: that is never going to happen. Look at this it,
1: optimist still being. I know,
0: <laughs> to do that? I'll I'll throw you a vote. Why do they not? Canada has the players to play like that. They're talented, but we haven't seen that yet under Bev Friesman. She's been with this side since 2020. She just Mm -hmm. signed a contract extension because they like what she's doing. Why is she going to change things up? She's there through the next World Cup. This is a a chance for Canada now individually to change things. You mentioned without some of their big players in Christine Sinclair, Sophie Schmidt is a really big loss for Canada in the midfield. She is their backbone. The game runs through Schmidt. When we spoke with forward Evelyn Vians on Attacking Third, we asked her about the leadership change in this Canada side, and she said there is a change now mm-hmm. without those veterans on the side. There are going to be changes with Canada, not in their formation,
1: not in, in how that changes, but there are
0: going to be growing pains throughout this tournament for them to kind of figure out who they are as a team, their new leaders, kind of how they structure themselves on the pitch without these really big players in the midfield. Well,
2: does that potentially open up for them to become more of an attacking team? We talk about them playing with the two sixes and that not being very exciting. But without Sophie Smith and Christine Sinclair, does that maybe open up the possibility for Bev Priestman to, to be a little bit more creative on the attack?
3: I think it forces her hand to. I hope so. Uh, I'm very optimistic. I think that the bed prefix is going to make changes. She has to. This is the tournament to experiment, uh, to try new things. Um, yeah, and then also relying on your strengths. The, their aerial battles and how strong they are in the air is something I think they need to focus on and finishing their opportunities. Um, but yeah, I, I need to place a bet with you or something. Yes, yeah, well, okay, I, we're I putting I money down gonna on this.
0: Canada, they don't have a lot to lose in this tournament um, because they're already in preparation for the Olympics. So this is an opportunity for them to kind of stretch their muscles and, and figure out how they're going to play. So, yes, this is a good opportunity for Bev Priestman to change things up. I don't think she will. Though.
1: Can I tell you guys my biggest gripe with Canada? Yes. yes. Ashley Lawrence wearing number 10. It's a, it, uh, it does my head in. I'm right I, back I, I, wearing number 10. Well, she's, just actually does my
2: head in. she's actually moved. So when I played against her, I remember so clearly she came to Mexico and the Canadian U-17s and Mexican U-17s. We were both captains, both wearing 10. She was a center midfielder at that point. So she mm. has since moved back. The to shirt number have,
1: has to change she now. <laughs> her number Somebody give her number two.
2: There's differing opinions here about what we can see from the Canadian team and whether they're going to experiment. Let's remember, they are the reigning Olympic champion Mm -hmm. so they're going to want to defend something come paris uh, a few months from now let's move on to paraguay though because they have never qualified for the world cup they have never qualified for the olympics they came in fourth place in copa america and the pan am games what do we expect from this paraguayan side It's going
0: to be tricky for them uh, against these sides because we don't know so much about them because they have not played in as many international tournaments as we would have liked to see them play. Um, They're going to have a tall task. They're going to bunker in, try to keep everything wide, especially against Canada and Costa Rica. If they can squeak out with uh, scoreless, that's Mm -hmm. going to be really good for them. I'm not sure we're going to see too much attack
3: from Paraguay moving forward. Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be a lot of maybe transition we'll see in their attack. But other than that, I think it's going to be a lot of parking the bus, especially trying to lock out crosses, defend crosses, keep the ball out of the 18. Uh, I think they're up for a tough
2: challenge.
1: I think this will be a huge learning experience for them. Mm -hmm. This is probably the best we could say. Yeah, Yeah.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I, I agree.
2: Okay, fair, fair. I mean, this is great. This is a learning experience for everyone as they prepare for the Olympics as well. And on the teams that are not, they get a chance to play mm-hmm. against some big competition. We yeah. have these teams coming yeah. in, Brazil, um, Colombia, all adding in to um, the CONCACAF teams. I would yes. say even in Group C, Costa Rica, this
0: is a team that yeah. is going to be a really big test depending on how they play, whether it's a 4-1-4-1 or if they play with two sixes, almost a 4-1-3-2. They look to transition really really quick and they counter when they can. They have this really intricate inside out playing style where they like to utilize the channels and get crosses into the box. Their right side is their strong side. In qualifying, they scored 35 goals and over half of them, 17 of them, came from the wide areas of the field. So it's gonna be crucial for them when they get the ball. Can they get wide immediately, look to exploit the channels and get in behind? Because Costa Rica has, has a chance in this group, I think. They
2: have some good players, but it's definitely going to rely a little bit more on Rocky Rodriguez, her being the biggest name on that team at the moment. But, you know, one of the big moments in qualifying, we talked about it on attacking third, was when they needed to score 11 goals uh, to make it through over Haiti. And they scored 13. Yep. So they have the ability to score goals. They have the ability and the grit to get out um, of difficult situations. That was towards the end of the tournament. Um, but good to see that, and we'll see how Costa Rica does and how much they lean on Rocky The Rodriguez. determination of Costa
0: Rica in that match when they needed all those goals was really impressive to see. It was like, get the ball wide, send it into the box, score a goal, grab it out of the back of the net, and <laughs> let's go again.
1: Imagine
2: being on the other side of like that. <laughs> yeah. like that was
4: it. six in a row. <laughs>
2: Small-sided, I can't score 13 goals. But really quickly, let's go ahead and pick who we think is going to join this group. El Salvador and Guatemala are up for contention here. Just really quickly, tell me your names. Uh, El Salvador. They're fast. They're shifty. Um,
0: they can throw opposition off guard with their really quick movements. I agree. They haven't lost in their last
2: six games. El Salvador.
1: I have actually seen El Salvador play, so I'm going to go with it. <laughs> yeah.
2: I am also going El Salvador here, but I'm excited for Guatemala to be in this tournament and see yeah. what they can bring to the table as well. We're going to go to a quick break and continue covering everything W Gold Cup when we return. Welcome back into Attacking Third. We are in studio and it is time to talk about Sandra's power rankings. She has the United States as number one, Colombia number two, Brazil number three, Canada number four and Mexico number five. I have plenty of questions about this because why is Mexico number five? Why is Colombia number two? (laughs) Let's bring Sandra Herrera in so we can temper her with questions about her power rankings. Sandra, welcome in my love.
4: Just like my, my little prima, just like already ready to just yell <laughs> at me. How's it going, y'all? I'm old cup is here. Okay,
2: I'm ready to fight. OG attacking third member, Sandra Herrera, here with us. Uh, let's talk about it right away. Colombia number two, even though they are missing so many players, no Mayra Ramirez as well. What's going on? How is the number two right now?
4: I think it's, it's it's a little bit of a respect factor for me. I think if we're going down, my power rank is if I got USA as number one, kind of based on kind of what they've done within the region. I'm looking at the... Colmebol guest and, and who's kind of going to make some noise a little bit and I think you have to take a look at this Colombia side and, and what they've done behind them and and maybe there's going to be some, some nervy moments knowing that they don't have such heavy hitters with them but I think that's the perfect opportunity to present them to kind of go ahead and make a little bit of a splash. I think there's no better motivator that you can give a player when they are asked to be called upon to kind of make an impact, make a difference and let Let's not act like there aren't players on this team that can still make an impact with Arias, Uzme, Banegas, and, of course, Cacero.
0: All right, Sandra, you have Mexico fifth on this list right now. This is your pre-tournament power rankings for these teams. How does Mexico get higher throughout this tournament? What do they need to do, and can their ranking change as this tournament goes on?
4: Yeah, of course, that's that's the beauty of power rankings, right? I think based on performances and and, and kind of maybe even those individual impacts that I'm going to be looking for will obviously shape some things moving forward. But look, Lisa, of course, it was tough for me to put him at number five. I had to fight for maybe even putting him on higher. I think when we're looking at teams and based on just form coming into this one, this is a team that's coming off of a 2023 where they were undefeated. I believe it was 19 games, maybe only two draws. Everything else wins. They've got gold medals uh, around their necks coming into this Gold Cup as well with the caribbean and central american games and pan am game medals as well so they've got a lot to prove here as well but they're in a group with another heavy hitter in the united states with with argentina that they've met a a few times already in their history so not only do i want to see individual uh, performances but i want to see convincing 90 minute performances from this team and if we can get that then they're definitely going to get higher in the rankings
2: all right, Sandra, I have a question for you about Mexico following that, because, yes, they have their new coach, Pedro Lopez, in place. They have had an undefeated uh, year so far, or, or last year before that. Um, but no Licha González, Cervantes, has been a big talking point here. No Quenti Robles either. I mean, this is the highest goal scorer in the league, and she's not on this roster. She's been asked about it plenty of times. But what is your take on this Mexico roster without them?
4: disappointed honestly to not see her uh, amongst this squad. I I think if you're kind of trying to have this be that that kind of opening uh, kind of show for this squad in 2024 coming off of such a big year that they had you're going to want to have those players that kind of played with confidence that couldn't go ahead and of course connect on goal but maybe it's a little bit of a continuity for Pedro Lopez as well. I think we saw a lot through the road to Gold cup qualifiers whether it was with Maria Sanchez or Scar Camberos, kind of, kind of pulling the strings along the way. But I'm also looking at this as an opportunity for Palacios as well to maybe continue to make a name for herself. She's kind of a little bit of a silent killer for me. I think she's sort of this attacking player that comes on off the bench at moments and then does her job and scores and you're like, that's right, they've got Palacios también. So hopefully this is going to be an opportunity to maybe showcase and sprinkle around some things in terms of the attack for Mexico.
3: Now, Sandra, I want to talk about Canada because Aaron described their play <laughs> as cold oatmeal earlier in previous <laughs> games. <laughs> in and I think this is a big opportunity for Bev Priestman to try something new, try some new formations. I even threw out a 3-5-2, and I got some hate from Lisa over here. But I want to <laughs> right. know, how do they use this tournament to prepare for the Olympics? What, do you think the cha- what are the changes that Bev Priest- Priestman is going to make against these teams to maybe add another wrinkle to their game?
4: All right, I'm going to give you some love there. I'm in I'm agreement with you. I, I want to see uh, those different things, those different tactics from Beth Priestman in this one. And I think going into this Gold Cup, Canada is one of many teams that maybe can utilize this tournament as a bit of prep going into an Olympic tournament. I think they're going to want to try to mirror as much as they can through through a group stage. And look, now that they've got that new contract for Beth Priest, and it's just a little bit more of that continuity for them. So they're the reigning gold medalists for the Olympics. They absolutely need to utilize this as an opportunity to tinker. Uh, you know, we have these group stages where they're with Costa Rica and maybe they're going to face some some opposition there. But I'm kind of curious as to what they're going to roll out come the knockout stages, because I think that's where we see Canada on the ropes a little bit when they find themselves with their hands tied behind their backs, when they're going up against opposition that has a strong possibility of knocking them out what's going to, who's going to kind of take that game by the neck and kind of pull it through. So I really want to see uh, Jesse Fleming continue to be kind of that, that focal point uh, for this team, kind of that string puller. But I, I also need to see it from Priestman. I Priestman. This is the era now she's got the new contract. This is the time for her to go ahead and try some things.
1: All right, now, Sandra, you've got Brazil in at number three. We know they're missing the iconic Marta for the first time it feels like ever. (laughs) They're also going to be missing Caroline. But who for you is going to step up, and what are your prospects for this team during this tournament?
4: I want to see them do well. I think Group B at this point, even with the prelims taking place tonight, they have the mark of death on them. I think this is the group that can actually really make some upsets, really kind of generate some chaos. And it's because of the teams that are involved. Yes, of course, Brazil, I think, is going to you know be that kind of heavy hitter. We've got Colombia alongside them as well, but Panama can go ahead and kind of shake some things up. Who's going to get slotted in there after prelims? If it's Haiti, I think absolutely and they're going to bring up a challenge as well. So I think without a Marta, that's not necessarily a bad thing. I think we're looking at a number of uh, CONCACAF and Come Bowl teams that are kind of taking these first steps into new eras, whether it's with new coaches or coming off of maybe what are disappointing finishes at a world cup. So when we're looking at this squad without a caroline without a Marta, who's going to step up? I think people are going to obviously look at, at the Bina, but I think JC's going to be a player to keep an eye on. And look, I'm going to give a special shout out to Chicago red stars player, Julia Bianchi. Hopefully she's impressing in these training camps and the lead up to this gold cup. I think she could be a little bit of a, a sleeper game changer for this team moving forward.
2: Sandra, it is so good to hear from you. Thank you so much. Make sure you guys follow everything that she writes for CBS she She's be writing during the W Gold Cup. Sandra, I really miss seeing you massively on the screen here in studio. Also, the drip what is the crazy. Question. The drip is crazy. <laughs> the show, show
1: the people the rings. Let them know. <laughs> all
2: right, thanks, Sandra. I'm all about Thank you guys. The rings. <laughs> Thank you guys so Take much for easy. watching. Attacking third. Make sure you guys watch our coverage throughout the W Gold Cup. The matches start tonight, tomorrow. At 4 p.m. See you guys later.